So welcome back again to the second part of Come and See Inspirations. My name is John Keeley. So at this part of the programme, um, second part of the programme, this being the first Sunday in Advent, um, I asked Father Frank Dewick again, he must be fed up with me at this stage, but I asked Father Frank Dewick to come back and join us again um, to share some thoughts on Advent. Good morning, Father Frank. Morning, John. Thanks a lot for coming back again. You're welcome. So Advent, where would you like to start with Advent, Father? Well, I suppose the word uh, Advent, uh, John, comes from the Latin word Adventus, meaning an arrival or a coming. So what is the arrival? What is the coming that Advent talks about? Well, I suppose to complicate it a bit more, there are two comings. First, we recall the coming of Jesus in the Nativity. And obviously that is what uh, Christmas is about. And we will have, in the course of Advent, readings from the Old Testament, the prophecies of the coming of the Messiah that the Jewish people waited so expectantly for. These prophecies are known as the Messianic prophecies. And it is interesting, John, the detail we find about the birth of Jesus that didn't happen until hundreds of years later. Those prophets were definitely inspired. Now, I said earlier, John, that the season of Advent uh, deals with two comings. The first, the one I've mentioned, the Nativity. Now, the second coming I want to talk about is the coming of Jesus at the end of time. It's not just that I want to talk about it. That's what Advent talks about. The coming of Jesus at the end of time to judge us all. And that is sometimes referred to as the second coming uh, or the final coming. It is the coming we refer to in the creed when we say he will come again to judge the living and the dead, that part of the Apostles' Creed. So in our liturgy during Advent, we have readings, as I've said, covering the prophesying of the birth of Jesus, and we have readings referring to the coming of Jesus to judge the world, to judge all of us at the end of time. Now, when the readings take us back to the prophecies of the birth of Jesus our Savior, that is not intended to bring us back to a past which is gone. That's the temptation to listen to it in that way. On the contrary, it is meant to enlighten us about the present. The voice of the prophets still today calls us to conversion, to watchfulness, to understanding. It says to us again, The Lord is coming. He is at hand. It calls on us to welcome him now. So, John, if someone is coming that we look forward to, what do we do? We wait, if we are to use the language of the liturgy, in expectant hope. Father Frank, at this point, maybe you can maybe speak to us a little bit about this waiting, this waiting dimension of, of Advent. Yes, John, uh, a very important dimension of Advent is the, the whole notion of uh, waiting. I've heard the waiting aspect of Advent referred to as the mystery of waiting. When it comes to celebrating this mystery of waiting, we can have a problem today, I believe, because most people don't like waiting. Waiting and its value is, as I say, a bit of a mystery to us. Um, 
while to many in today's crazy, fast-moving world, waiting is a waste of time. Why can't we get on with it? Waiting, wasn't we long enough waiting? No more waiting. We'll have high-speed broadband and so forth. We're all familiar with those comments. Waiting, in the scriptural sense, is a mystery. God waits. How often, John, have we heard people say it will happen in God's own time? An acknowledgement that there are some things we can't rush. For example, John, an expectant mother still has to wait for her baby's birth. So God waits, nature waits. So when we as individuals wait, what we're really doing is going beyond ourselves and entering into a sacred, life-giving process in which God and nature are involved. We all know nature won't be rushed either. When we wait, we are in touch <clears throat> with an essential aspect of our humanity, maybe one we don't like, which is that we are dependent on God and on one another. In other words, sometimes we have to wait. So Advent and Advent waiting are, if you like, if I could use the expression, John, stitched into the whole unveiling of God's plan. So where does that leave us in this busy four weeks starting this weekend? Yeah, busy. It, it leaves us, John, I think, with much to ponder and perhaps with a decision to make. A decision maybe to take stock. Maybe a decision to allow ourselves to be deprogrammed. We should note, John, that in Advent, the dominant liturgical colour, that is, the priest's vestments, etc., is purple. The penitential colour used in Advent and Lent. So Advent calls for Penance, the Greek word metanoia, meaning literally a change of heart. That is what penance is. Now, Father Frank, could you say a little bit more about that penitential side of, of Advent for us, please? Yes, John, while we're very used to the notion of Lent as a penitential season, perhaps we do not think so much of Advent in that regard. Um, so when I say that we may have to make a decision in that there may be a need to change in how we prepare for Christmas. And when I say that, it is very much in line with Advent as a penitential season, that is, a change of heart type of time. You see, John, in addition to recalling the first coming of Jesus and looking ahead to the second or final coming, there is another coming, if you like, and that is a coming of Jesus into our hearts. And I heard it put one time, John, that the manger that has to be prepared by us for the coming of Jesus is the manger of our hearts. And that is where the penitential aspect, the change of heart aspect comes in as we do a bit of spring cleaning, if you like, of our hearts uh, by looking into them for signs of things that should not be there and try to get rid of them. So that brings confession then fitting perfectly 
into Advent. In that sense, Advent then is a penitential season. But penance should never be seen as a drudgery, as an end in itself, as a negative thing. It is meant to make us better if we change our heart for the better. And this has brought out this this more positive side of uh, Lent, John, is brought out um, by uh, both Lent and Advent, is brought out by having a Sunday halfway through both Advent and Lent where the church calls on us to rejoice in the middle of a penitential season. Now in Advent, that is Gaudete Sunday, it'll be the third Sunday of Advent, and we'll wear different colour vestments that day. It's Gaudete Sunday, Rejoice Sunday. And then in Lent, which is the fourth Sunday of Lent, we have what's called Letare Sunday, Be Happy Sunday. Thanks for that, Frank. There's a few little observations there again, if you don't mind, just, just want to pick them up. Just staying with that last one, that penitential, that, that penance side of it, you know, and, and, and combine that with, with Laudate Sunday, or Gaudete Sunday, is it for Advent? We, we've got this, penit- this penitential period, and then we've got this rejoicing day. Yeah. Well, I suppose we, we don't like penance, no. uh, John, and we don't like having to change. We, we do things and we do them the way we like to do them and if anyone asks us to change, that's difficult. So it would be very easy for us to kind of be going through a penitential season <clears throat> to see this as a negative kind of drudgery. Yeah. Mm. But Letare Sunday or Gaudete Sunday, Rejoicing Sunday, in the middle of each of the penitential seasons, he say, I know it's difficult, okay. but this is for a very good purpose. There's good news at the end of the road. Okay. One more thing now that, that just struck me there and reminded me again, when you mentioned about the prophets, and all this prophesizing was done hundreds and maybe thousands of years mm. before the coming of Christ. We sometimes miss that, but it comes to the fore during the Advent season, if we ever get a chance to listen to the first readings, isn't that right? That's right, yeah. You know, very much, and, 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 and we should stop and think about that, especially people that are kind of doubting Thomases, you know, about the scripture. I mean, it, it is quite amazing that some of these readings, there were hundreds of years, and as you say, maybe thousands mm. of years before Jesus came, and how accurate they were. Mm. A baby wrapped in swaddling clothes will be found in a manger, and you know what? It's, it is it's, amazing. It's extraordinary, and people should stop and think. One of the thoughts that went through my own mind there, Father Frank, when, when, when I was just preparing for this for this program, was uh, preparing for Christmas, and I was just looking around to see what, what came up for myself, and just a few little things that came up. One thing that I read early on today was how to prepare for Christmas, and think about it this way. We prepare for everything we consider important in life. We wouldn't show up for a football game unless we'd, we'd done some training. We wouldn't show up unprepared to give a big presentation and work and expect to get the project, etc., etc., etc. And it's not saying that we shouldn't prepare, that, that we, we are to prepare for Christmas, but the, the writer goes on to say they don't mean preparing in the typical Christmas preparation, buying, wrapping presents and baking cookies and so on. Yeah, these things have to be done. But what the writer says, and this is the one that I've had that got me, it's talking about me preparing me. When was the last time that I prepared my heart for the coming of Jesus at Christmas? <clears throat> we prepare for everything else in life, Father Frank. It's not right. All, all these important things. And yet, God, God's Son came down on earth, and we got a chance to have this person come into our hearts. And we kind of 
don't do too much preparation about it. And it uh, might that's right. And, and um, <clears throat> now we're living in an age where things have gone very, to use that word, a word I don't like, professional. Mm-hmm. And, and preparation is normally very good and, and very, as I say, professional, mm-hmm. whether it is kids playing sport or that, you know. Mm. And, and that's, uh, people take that very seriously. And I notice with children, like kids are kids. Mm. And I notice, like, you know, um, and if they're not able to come to Mass or to serve Mass or to be at their communion preparation Mass, they, I had training for them. They have no yeah. problem. Mm. I had to prepare. Yes. But like yes. the same sense of urgency of the preparation for something that's far more important, and I love the sport, yeah. and is, uh, it seems to, in a very secular world that we live in today, can get lost, you know. And yet I don't think there's that much work involved. It might mean just sitting there. Oh, yeah, at the time, just to, t- to stop and think and ponder. Allow God, allow the Holy Spirit to come. Exactly, in. yeah. Let, let him do all the work. We'll see a little bit of that when we come yeah, to talking about the Gospel today, John. I might just just mention one more, one more little thing, uh, thing that here that I picked up from my friend, Father Jack McArdle. And he makes this sort of response, and he said, It's vital for us to appreciate the wonderful gift of time. God is totally a God of the now. The only yes in my own life in which he is interested in is my yes now. Today is very unique and a special gift. Not everyone received that gift. Because it's a gift, could that be why we call it a present? Written on the gifts are the words, batteries included, which, which with each day comes the daily bread for living that life. And he, he goes on to say, did we ever reflect on the possibility that we might be walking around half asleep? The Advent liturgies call us to arise from the slumber. Quite a lot of me could be dormant, and if... I died at this moment, and God asked me, did you enjoy my creation? Would I have to admit that I never really took much notice of it? Oh, I travelled to other countries to admire the, to admire the scenery, but I may not have bothered too much about my own back garden. This day is very unique. It has never happened before. The same is true about Christmas. I can approach this Christmas as if it were the only such one-off occasion in my whole life. And that would make all the difference. And I, just that last little sentence there, if I just got me, I might finish with this. I can approach this Christmas as if it were the only such one-off occasion in my whole life. And that would make all the difference. Yeah, and, I, and he's so right, and you're right, Father Jack, is a lovely way of putting things. He's, he's so right, like, you know, this Christmas is the only one that counts. It's the only right one that counts. At this bit, uh, part of the programme now, we might go for our third piece of music at this particular stage. And this one, what else could we do? It's O'Coma Come Emmanuel and from King's College, Cambridge. So let's go with this and come back again and we reflect on the Word of God in part three. <laughs> 